Welcome to Parkhead Nazarene Church and the New Charter Online. It's Sunday the 5th of July. My name's Ian Wells. I'm one of the pastors at the church and we're delighted that you've joined with us today as we gather to worship God. Well, over the last four weeks, we've been walking our way through the prayer course produced by the 24-7 Prayer Movement. And on Sundays, we've been using Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, as a guide to help us think about prayer. Now, up until now, everything has been a real encouragement about the power and possibilities of prayer, and that's been wonderful. And we want to celebrate the places of answered prayer that we've experienced in our lives, and to urge you to keep on praying. But this morning, we're looking at perhaps the most commonly asked questions about prayer, very honest questions. What do we do with all the unanswered prayers in our lives? Why does it seem as if God is silent when we need an answer most? Or why have we not seen answers to prayer when some of us have been praying them for years? Now, one thing I know for sure, there is no way I can do justice to this subject in one service and in one sermon. This is a huge question. And in truth, it's something we must all wrestle with in our life of prayer and something about which we must wrestle with God. How do we live with unanswered prayer? Well, I'm going to try and help make some progress through that question today, but I also want to point you to some helpful material on this question. We've been encouraging you to pick up a copy of Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, and certainly his chapter on this subject, chapter 7, will be of great help. And then the prayer course video for this week is amazing. And while you can watch it on your own, we do have life groups that are doing the prayer course midweek and watching these videos. And so we do want to encourage you to get involved in one of those groups so that you can ask these questions together and find a way through in prayer. Now, the details are on the screen. If you want to view the video, you'll find it at uh, prayercourse.org forward slash session forward slash unanswered prayer. And if you do want to connect with a life group or for anything else, then send us a message on Facebook or email us at parkhead at nazarene.org.uk. Now, there's a couple of other books that might be helpful if you want to look more into this question of unanswered prayer. Pete Gregg has another book called God on Mute, which is an honest reflection on his own painful experiences of unanswered prayer. And then there's a book by Philip Yancey, called Disappointment with God, which also explores the questions that surface about unanswered prayer, but also some of the sorrow and the confusion of it all. So that's some helpful books. We're also going to be sharing in communion this morning as we remember Jesus' death and his resurrection. And perhaps of all the things that might help us face this difficult question this morning, it will be those moments when we think about the sorrow and suffering of God on the cross, that God himself has entered the pain and struggle of this world and that he also enters our pain and struggle, even as we pray. And so I hope you'll stay with us right to the end of the service when we'll share communion together. But as always, let's begin in prayer and seek the God who loves us and sees us and is with us. Shall we pray? Kind Father, loving Father, Heavenly Father, our Father, we come to worship you this morning. You've given us life and breath and all that's around us, the beauty we see in creation, the awe and wonder we behold in the stars and in the sky. You are amazing God. And you've not left us alone. You're with us. It's your heart's desire to be with us, such as your love. And so we pray today as we worship 
may the reality of your abundant love overshadow the doubts and concerns of our hearts that we might know the presence and peace of you, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When we organise our worship services and decide what songs go where, when to have readings, how to order each part of the sermon and how it will all flow together, we don't do it randomly or without thought. In fact, the exact opposite. We carefully and prayerfully think through the themes and thoughts that we believe God wants to speak to us. And today, it seemed essential to anchor what is a tough topic, unanswered prayer, to anchor it in the foundation of God's love. The reality of unanswered prayer is both very personal and very painful. The likelihood is that all of us have experienced its disappointment and despair. And it's not unusual for people to question and doubt whether God really does love them when their heartfelt prayers are left unanswered. Writing about suffering of which he had much experience and about the human struggle of living with the unanswered prayers that go with it, the Apostle Paul wrote these words in Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I'm going to come back to this later, but I want to anchor ourselves in the reality and truth of God's love, even in the pain of unanswered prayer. On the 2nd of January 1999, the men in our family did what they always do on the 2nd of January every year. We played football. For as long as any of us can remember, our church has played a married versus singles football match on the 2nd of January. It's still going today. And not just for men, by the way, but all of us, my dad, my brothers, me, my cousins, uncles, and about 30 others from the church played our New Year's game. Just a few days after, my dad seemed to be carrying some kind of cold or flu, at least showing symptoms like that. And a pain he had been carrying on his shoulder was really giving him trouble. We all assumed it was the consequence of an almost 61-year-old playing football on a cold January morning. But the symptoms deteriorated and over the next two months we tried to get to the root of the problem. In March, following trips to the GP and a referral for an x-ray, we were called for the results and were shocked to hear that my dad had cancer. Well, after the initial impact of the news and hearing what the medical team would now do, we were absolutely certain of what we would now do. We would pray and we would ask everyone else to pray too. And so it began. All kinds of people from all kinds of places on our own doorstep and around the world. Family, friends, even strangers who'd heard from a friend of a friend sent messages that they were praying to. We had the Nazarenes praying, the Pentecostals, the Baptists, the Catholics, people we knew in the Church of Scotland, the Church of England, the Church of just about everywhere. We had all the bases covered and we received Bible verses and words of encouragement, all offering the same faith and hope that we held. God will heal. We had pastors and church leaders ask if they could come and pray over dad and they did and we all did and we prayed for healing. And I could give all kinds of stories and explanations about how God brought spiritual healing to my dad. But just two months later, on the 29th of May 1999, he passed away. The one prayer that we had all been praying, the prayer for his physical healing, had been left unanswered. <laughs>
I reckon it was about three years later that I realised how disappointed I was with God. And the sorrow of it all suddenly overwhelmed me as I honestly acknowledged and confronted the pain of unanswered prayer. I'm not sure I'd even noticed its impact on me in life until that point. But over those few days, I learned about the power of honestly acknowledging the realities of unanswered prayer to myself, to God and even to others. And to my surprise, I felt stronger because of it. You know, the Bible is full of places of unanswered prayer. Doesn't hide them, doesn't deny them, doesn't ignore them. Whether it's Moses praying to enter the promised land, having led the people of God for over 40 years, but never entering himself. Or King David praying that his infant son would not die, but he did. Or prophets praying for deliverance, which never came. Disciples unable to heal a young boy. We're left with this. That for some reason, known or unknown, prayers are sometimes not answered. And certainly not as we'd hoped. Pete Gregg writes this. The Bible is way more honest about unanswered prayer than the church. The gospel writers make no attempt to hush up the fact that Jesus himself experienced disappointments in prayer. And this morning we're going to look at one of those places where Jesus had to face a painful place of prayer. We find him in a garden with some of his friends, praying about what Jesus knew he was about to face, his own death. We're told that Jesus is deeply distressed and troubled, that he shares with his friends that he's overwhelmed with sorrow. Yet he must pray. And in that place of prayer, Jesus prays some of the most surprising words in the Bible when he says this, Abba, Father, take this cup from me. Jesus is praying for an alternative to the cross, a prayer of utter human honesty that expresses the weight he's bearing and is longing for another way, a prayer that we know would not and could not be answered. But yet Jesus, overwhelmed with sorrow, cries out in prayer, the most honest of prayers, take this from me. Pete writes this, it's hard to overstate the extent to which these five words at the heart of Christ's prayer in Gethsemane have given permission to people ever since to pray imperfectly, honestly and even improperly at times of tribulation. And at the heart of prayer and unanswered prayer, honesty is where God meets us. For some people they've silently and privately carried the disappointments of unanswered prayer for years. Perhaps concerned that their disappointment is somehow unbiblical, unchristian or unfaithful. They've never really acknowledged it or articulated it or shared it. Instead the temptation to keep it hidden and silent, pushing it down and away as if it has no place in their Christian life. By doing so we've inadvertently caused more damage than good to ourselves and we hinder our journey of faith and we can end up stuck. Jesus models the simplest of prayer practices. Be honest. Perhaps you feel spiritually and emotionally paralysed because of those disappointments in prayer, weakened in your faith, debilitated with doubt, silenced by the sorrow. But there's power in acknowledging the truth about how we feel in the face of unanswered prayer. It is there that God meets us in love and begins to move us forward again. A few weeks after my dad's funeral, a lady in our church called me and asked if I would meet with her to pray to, with, for her. 
Uh, I knew she'd been suffering for years with pain due to arthritis and some of her movements were almost impossible. She was exhausted and discouraged and sad. When we met, she asked if I would pray for healing. She told me a little about the pain and how long she'd had uh, the pain and how long she'd lived with it and how often she'd prayed, but no change. And she wondered whether I would pray for her. In comparison to the hours of prayer and the amount of prayer offered for my dad, my prayer for her in those moments were relatively short, maybe 20 minutes, as we invited God to bring his healing. Well, there was no immediate obvious change and she kindly and graciously said that she at least felt some peace and we went our separate ways. About two hours later, I arrived home and as I always did in those days, I would check my home phone for messages. And to my surprise, there was one very excitable lady sharing the news that by the time she had got home, the pain had completely gone, her mobility was back and she was healed. How do we reconcile such extremes of prayer? As a church, we are always living with both the realities of answered prayer and unanswered prayer. We rejoice with those who rejoice, we mourn with those who mourn. And we do not understand the reasons for why some things happen and some do not. But as we honestly acknowledge both the joy and the sorrow, God meets us and helps us move forward. So Lord God, sometimes we just cannot understand why our prayers have not been answered. We've tried to persevere when the heavens seem silent, but in the emptiness, we too have gone silent privately carrying the pain of unanswered prayer. Jesus, thank you that in the midst of overwhelming sorrow, your prayer was honest and unpolished, not hidden or concealed, in an attempt to look holy. Instead, it's given permission for us to offer such honest prayer. Help us to find our way to that kind of praying as we seek to live with both the joy of answered prayer alongside the ache of unanswered prayer. In Jesus' name, Amen. Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, 
Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for reading that incredible passage for us. This is such a human picture of Jesus, the Son of God, wrestling in prayer with his Heavenly Father. A prayer that includes five words which are not answered. When looking towards his death on the cross, Jesus prays, take this cup from me. Now, I know there are other words around this prayer that have something more to say to us, and we'll come on to that soon. But I do just want to pause to consider the magnitude of what we're reading here. That Jesus knows what it's like to live and die with unanswered prayer. Because of course this cup of death was not taken from him. And at the end of this service we'll remind ourselves of this unanswered prayer when we share in communion. Jesus died. The cup was not taken from him. But instead it became the centre point of God's redemptive plan for the whole of creation. And as we take communion later we'll remember that. So please don't think that Jesus can't possibly know or understand the pain and realities of unanswered prayer. He does, but he also understands the Father's greater purposes. And so we will also celebrate the hope of Jesus' resurrection when we take communion together as well. But I want to share with you uh, four practical pointers from Pete Gregg's chapter on unanswered prayer. And if you have the book, I encourage you to read and reread this chapter. It is so helpful. And if you don't have the book, then listen to him on the video on the prayer course website when he talks about unanswered prayer. He deals with it there too. It is wonderful. But just in case this is the only chance you get to hear these, then I want to share them with you. And they're all taken from that picture of Jesus in Gethsemane. We've looked at one already, be honest. But now we're going to look at another four. The first two are two choices and the second are two things to hold on to. So how do we face and how do we deal with unanswered prayer? Well, the first is this. Choose to be vulnerable with your friends. Did you notice that Jesus invited Peter, James and John to come and be with him in his darkest moment? Pete Gregg writes this. Jesus didn't put on a brave face. He didn't pretend to be okay. He chose to include them in his distress and even asked them to watch over him in prayer. There is a strong temptation towards self-isolation when our souls are overwhelmed, but Jesus modelled the opposite. Now I know we're all made differently and some of us find this easier than others, but honestly, even if you only have one or two other people you can turn to who can pray with you, don't hide, don't go alone, don't isolate, but make the choice, and it is a choice, to be vulnerable and to allow others who love and care for you to watch with you and over you in prayer and share the pain. Choose to be vulnerable with some friends. Second, choose to push into prayer. In Luke's Gospel, as he records Jesus' turmoil in Gethsemane, Luke writes, And being in anguish, Jesus prays more earnestly. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew writes, Going a little further, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed. In the same way, we might be tempted to isolate ourselves from others when we're in the throes of painful or unanswered prayer. We can also be tempted to isolate from God and withdraw from him. 
We spoke about that last week, how much easier it might be just to stop praying and not have to face the possibility or the reality that our prayer was not or is not being answered. But if we're to follow the pattern of Jesus, he makes the choice to push on into prayer rather than pull out of prayer. Even when we feel that our prayers are not being answered as we'd hoped, it is the place of prayer that continues to create the opportunity for God to do or say something more, something that will enable us to face whatever road lies ahead, especially when we don't understand. And doing so will help us with the next two, with three and four, because pushing into prayer will help us Thirdly, to hold on to God's love. And fourthly, to hold out for God's power. As Jesus prays, there are two things that he prays in relation to his heavenly Father. One that recalls and fastens on the Father's love and one that recalls and fastens on the Father's power. First of all, he says, Abba, Father. And Pete Gregg writes, when his soul was overwhelmed, Jesus resolutely anchored himself in the Father's love. His starting point in prayer was Abba, Father. That phrase Abba, Father, reflects a relationship of intimacy and closeness, dependence, tenderness, affection. Jesus addresses the Father with the title and language of deep love and of knowing that deep love. Pete continues, and I've quoted this before, he, that is Jesus, didn't say, if you really cared for me, you wouldn't make me go through this. The Father's love was non-negotiable. You know, I toyed with whether or not to share this part of my life story because I don't want to be insensitive or unthoughtful, because it involves the deep suffering of others, sorrow that no doubt is still felt today by a family, even though it happened 30 years ago. And it was painful for me too, and for my friends, and so genuinely I, I offer this with respect and honour. In 1991, one of our friends was seriously injured in a car accident and was in a coma for weeks. I'd never really seriously prayed before, even though I was brought up in the church. I just never prayed. Until then. And then all I could do was pray. I'm not even sure I knew how, but it's the only thing I could think of doing that would be of any use to anyone. And so I prayed. And I prayed very honestly and sincerely that he would waken and come out of the coma and make a full recovery. But he didn't. And I couldn't understand why. And I still can't. But somewhere in all that grief and loss, in all the pain of that unanswered prayer, I had my first real encounter of God's love as he met with me in my sorrow and disbelief. In the face of this incomprehensible tragedy and the painful reality of unanswered prayer, God's love seemed so real, so much so that I couldn't stop where I'd started praying. And it became a place of recovery, somehow held in the arms of God's love. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't think I was interested in religion or the church or faith. But that encounter with the love of God amidst unanswered prayer was the beginning of something new for me. And I have held on to God's love ever since. And there have been other unanswered prayers, but I hold on for and to God's love. Remember the songs we sung at the beginning of the service and the verses we reminded ourselves of? 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm holding on for God's love. And then lastly for now, hold out for God's power. Jesus prays, Abba, Father, God's love, everything is possible for you. P. Greg writes, if the first temptation when we suffer is to isolate ourselves from our friends, and the second is to question the Father's love, the third is to doubt his power. By downgrading our expectations in prayer, we attempt to protect ourselves from the heartache of dashed hopes. But Jesus doesn't do this. He reaffirms his trust in the Father and in the Father's power and sovereignty. This is not the time to flee from God. This is the time to run to God. Removing ourselves from God and therefore his power does us no good whatsoever. In fact, it weakens us. It weakens the heart rather than protecting the heart. The Apostle Paul, talking about unanswered prayer in his personal life, says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn in the flesh away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. When we remove God from the equation of our lives, we weaken ourselves, but not in the right ways. But when we hold out for God and his power, even though we're weak, we in fact put ourselves in a stronger position. Not by our own strength, but through the power of God in us and for us and with us. Choose to be vulnerable with your friends. Choose to push and press into prayer. Hold on to God's love and hold out for God's power in the face of unanswered prayer. Before we sing again, we want to express our thanks to you for your ongoing giving to the church through lockdown. There are so many things that we miss and cannot do because we're apart. But we appreciate that in this area of giving, many of you have sought to find other ways of doing so, whether by text, virgin giving, through the bank, or just getting an envelope to us. Thank you. But there are some who have also developed some creative ways of raising money for the church. And again, we want to say thank you for taking time to do so. And so after we've sung this next song, which is kind of our offering song, will catch just a little of one of those fundraising projects. And so thank you to Rachel and Sophie Lister for their delicious delicacies fundraiser. Shall we pray? Lord, let our hearts ring with thankfulness in all situations, remembering that you are a God of generous love and grace who has given us much. May we face our struggles by counting our blessings, May we overcome trials with an attitude of gratitude and may you strengthen us in our weakness as we foster a heart and spirit of thankfulness, reflecting your generous love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we come to the last session this morning and so far we've covered five of six pointers for us in the face of unanswered prayer. Let me list them in the order Pete Gregg writes them in his book. Choose to be vulnerable with your friends. Choose to push into prayer. Hold on to God's love. Hold out for God's power. And be honest. But the final one is this. 
pray a prayer of relinquishment. That is handing over control to God. Now, I'm by no means a scientist. Um, at school, I found all the sciences and maths too much for me. I struggled to get my head around things. I struggled to remember formulas or tables or the makeup of complex compounds. In truth, it was all complex for me. And so I have no problem admitting that I don't understand stuff. And I'm so thankful for people who do and who can, those who are able to help us make sense of the natural world and all the amazing ways in which the laws of nature work. I love that there are scientists who can help us see further into the universe and not just to our own galaxy, who allow us to see things that otherwise we could not see with the naked eye. And I love to watch those amazing documentaries about our world and the legend that is David Attenborough as he wows us with the beauty, simplicity and sometimes complexity of the world around us, whether on land or in the sea. I love that he cares so much about the finely balanced laws of this beautiful earth, laws that when broken endanger the very beauty we are in awe of. I love that he's passionate about it and brings science to life as he urges us to take care of our planet. But even the most educated and intellectual of scientists always come to a point of saying, we don't yet know. And while we can look into the Hubble telescope and view galaxies 13.2 billion light years away, I don't even know what that means. But while we can do that, we also know that we still haven't understood the depths of our own planet and all that lives here on Earth. We do not understand, yet we are in awe. And we must relinquish ourselves to a world and a universe that we still know only a fraction about. And we entrust ourselves to it. I have no problem admitting that I don't understand stuff. And that includes that which I don't understand and cannot understand about God. The one who holds all of this incomprehensible, apparently ever-expanding universe in wonderful balance. I'm reminded of that confession of faith. You are God and I am not. And I relinquish my lack of understanding to a God whose ways I cannot possibly expect to comprehend. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, we read this reminder from God when he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There are just things that we cannot possibly comprehend. And while most of us have made peace with that reality in the world of science, we seem reticent to apply the same wisdom to the world of prayer. While we choose to trust in the unknown ways of the natural world, we find it more difficult to trust in the unknown ways and will of the supernatural God. Pete Gregg writes this, It's important to remember that we are perfectly able to trust that which we cannot understand. As Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays a prayer of relinquishment, a prayer of letting go, letting go of control to the ways and will of his heavenly Father, in spite of the pain of the unanswered prayer. Abba Father, everything is possible for you. 
Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Pete Gregg writes, in the extremes of agony, sweating blood, Jesus relinquishes control. There is an invitation here to a darker kind of trust, to surrender ourselves to the will of God, not just when it makes sense and feels good, but when it makes no sense at all and even hurts us deeply. The prayer of relinquishment. Not what I will, but what you will. We choose to trust God with that which we cannot possibly understand, even in the pain of unanswered prayer. You know, we see the events of the Garden of Gethsemane with the benefit of hindsight, understanding now the greater purposes of God in that painful moment of unanswered prayer. But we can still feel the overwhelming sorrow of the one praying. We see so dimly the ways of God, but in time, sometime, we will all see clearly. Shall we pray? Lord, we find your prayer difficult to pray. Not what I will, but your will be done. We carry the pain and disappointment of unanswered prayers and the frustration that we cannot understand why. But your ways are higher and we ask for grace to relinquish not only our pain or our prayers to you, but our very self to you. Help us to surrender to you and to your will, to trust even when we do not understand. In Jesus' name. Amen.